Thanks for joining us for this week's From the Battlefield to the Boardroom podcast. During your military to civilian career transition, you're inundated with all of the opportunities and obstacles that may come your way. At Orion, we highly recommend reading professional books to help guide you and make you feel more prepared for what's ahead. In today's episode, I'm joined by Matt Lewis, author of Mission Transition. Matt is a speaker, coach, and advisor who also happens to be an Army veteran. He's worked in some very well-known and highly respected companies, including Deloitte, Procter & Gamble, and General Electric. Matt's new book, Mission Transition, guides military personnel through the entire process of making a successful move into corporate America. The book starts with foundational ideas, like understanding who you are and who you want to be, then explores strategies to make your resume stand out and to ace the interview, and also discusses ways to acclimate to the new culture and pay it forward to other veterans. Each chapter includes advice from other veterans, illustrations of key concepts, summaries, and suggested resources. To learn more about Matt, access the resources on his website and purchase his book, visit matthewjlewis.com. If you have any questions about this interview or topics for a future podcast, please send me an email at podcast at oriontalent.com. Hi, Matt. Welcome to Orion's From the Battlefield to the Boardroom podcast. Hey, Megan. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, great to be here today. Uh, looking forward to sharing some of the details of uh, a new book I have out called Mission Transition. Yes, and I'm very excited to speak about that as well. It's really refreshing to have a guest who not only resonates with our audience based on their military background, but also to have someone like you that has so much to offer our listeners as well. And I received a copy of your book that you just mentioned, Mission Transition. And in preparation for our call today, I read through that, and I'm really looking forward to unpacking that with you and sharing all the great insight that you have to offer. But first and foremost, can you introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Good morning, everyone, uh, or good afternoon, depending on what part of the country you're in. Uh, This is Matt Lewis. I um, am an author of uh, my book that you just heard, Mission Transition, and um, I have a a day job at Deloitte, uh, and I've been uh, both in and out of the service for some time. I think the unique Uh, angle that I bring to this topic is the fact that I've spent uh, 25 years in a uniform of some sort, as well as 20 years in the corporate world. Uh, My background in the military, I'm a a West Point graduate. I spent five years on active duty and another 16 in the reserves, ultimately retiring as uh, an 05 or lieutenant colonel about seven years ago. Uh, On the civilian side, I use graduate school as my transition vehicle, if you will. I uh, attended uh, Indiana for my MBA, and then I started various stints throughout the corporate world, places like Procter & Gamble, General Electric, and I've been at Deloitte now for uh, 15 years and counting. So that's my brief story. Awesome, Matt. So looking at your website, I was looking at that a few days ago, and I saw that you're involved in several, um, you're on the board of several like veteran initiatives in and around the Cincinnati area. So are you located in Cincinnati? Yeah, Cincinnati's home, uh, and uh, to your point, I, I, I'm co-chair of our local CVEB, which stands for Community Veteran Engagement Board, kind of a, a VA-sponsored uh, initiative in support of veterans in local areas throughout the country. I also sit on the board of uh, the Tri-State Veterans Community Alliance, uh, the uh, Veterans Collaborative here in the, the greater Cincinnati area, and uh, TVCA, as we call it, being one of the 
the founding veteran collaborators around the country, I work with a, a network of similar organizations throughout the country. And we can talk more about that later, but uh, working with that group, trying to, to scale what they do to fill a, a real gap in ensuring the warm handoff uh, from the military to communities all around the country. That's awesome. And I'm actually located in Orion, Cincinnati office. So sounds like maybe since you're so involved in the veteran community, we're always looking in our office for ways that we can volunteer and things like that. So maybe we can chat after this and talk about some initiatives that we can maybe work on together. Wonderful. I'd welcome the opportunity. Awesome. So now I want to talk all about the book because that's really why we had you on today. I thought, you know, like I said, I read through the book. It was really, really great resource for any transitioning veteran. I think it's something that everybody should have in their toolkit. Um, it provides some awesome advice, but how did you decide to write this book? Yeah, thanks, Megan. Uh, I, I appreciate that. Uh, it, this is intended to be the, the book I wish I would have had when I left active duty way back in 1996. Uh, this thing's been well over 20 years in the making and a bit of a personal passion project for me. Uh, just to tell you a little bit of my story and how this thing came to be. Uh, back when I left active duty in 96, there was a course, I was an Army guy, of course, and it was called the Army Career and Alumni Program, ACAP. Uh, it left, um, it, it was in its infancy uh, back then, so, um, but but it left a lot to be desired. It was administered within the last week of your time in service when you're doing hundreds of other things. Uh, it really became a, a check the block exercise. It really left me, and not just me, I'm not unique, it left all, all veterans of my generation left to kind of fend for themselves and figure it out. And so, uh, veterans being who we are, uh, I did. I kind of cobbled together my own process for making the jump from the military to the civilian world. And once I reached the other side via graduate school, yeah, I began reaching back and helping others with the same process, just on a one-on-one -on -one coaching basis. And th this continued for years and the process continued to evolve and improve as I worked with individuals. Uh, well, fast forward over time, and you know now I'm 20, 25 plus years um, out of my undergraduate experience, and I have, you know, my classmates, my good friends, brothers and sisters in arms, uh, who have uh, spent their and their families' lives, their entire careers, uh, dedicated to service to the nation, and now they're taking their turn, matriculating out of the service uh, with, you know, eagles and or stars on their shoulder, depending on uh, what their situation is. And while the, the support networks um, in, in terms of transition GPS and SFL TAP and uh, the, the, the courses have improved and the support has improved, the, the net impact uh, on my, my good friends uh, still left them largely fending for themselves. And this is where I began to put uh, feedback I'd gotten over the years uh, and, and put pen to paper. The, the two pieces of feedback I would consistently get is, you know, one, it was a message of gratitude. Thank you uh, for helping me uh, make this transition. It's obviously difficult and we all go through it. The, the second piece of feedback was, you know, we really ought to find a way to scale this. Uh, have you thought about writing a book? And I'd kind of brush it off. Uh, I was not a, a writer and, uh, Anyway, couple that with um, you know the, the motivation in seeing my my classmates uh, going through what they have many many years hence, 
uh, that, that really inspired me to finally put pen to paper. And, and what and an so, undertaking. I'm sure that had to be kind of a big task at first. I mean, writing a book, especially one like Mission Transition, like I said, there's a lot that had to have gone into it. It's very, very detailed. So that is a big undertaking. Yeah, for sure. By the time this thing hits the market, um, we sit here in middle of May 2019. It'll be uh, the electronic version will be available next month. The the hard copy in September the 24th. By the time it's actually in print in the market in September, it will have been a three-year or just over a three-year journey to actually get it to market. Uh, the, the actual wow. writing of it took about a year. Uh, it, it took about nine months to secure the, the publisher and uh, then the the actual editing process and getting it into print took uh, well over a year. So it, it's been a long journey, wow. but like I said, it's been a, a passion project. And it, it's, it, as I said earlier, it's my attempt to, to codify uh, what I think this process is and should look like. It's the book I wish I would have had uh, when I came out of active duty or actually <laughs> long before I came off of active duty. So I would have been appropriately planned to make the transition. And I love that you say that because one of the things that I always ask people on this podcast, um, especially those that are kind of sharing their success stories, is I always want to know what they wish they had known in hindsight because I think that's helpful for someone who's about to transition or even someone that has transitioned as well just to know that they were not the only person that struggled in that. And so what a cool platform now for you to be able to share those things and like you said, make it scalable, make it so that you can share it with other people um, and reach all kinds of audiences. So I think this is a really, really cool book. Yeah, and, and beyond helping, and there's kind of a macro goal that I have in mind as well. I mean, I view veterans uh, as a whole as being one of the most underutilized resources our nation has to offer. We can get into the st statistics later, but the, the civil military gap, as I call it, is as big as it's as it's ever been. And if we can help close that gap and unleash the talent that we all know exists within the veteran population, it, it holds the potential to improve all of the organizations that they join, the economy as a whole, the nation as a whole, and in turn, the, you know, the veterans and their families, uh, you know, mm -hmm. who paid the price from from the outset, uh, all of the, the tough lessons they've learned during their time in service and skills and that, that they've uh, accumulated. And we certainly see that here at Orion, about half of our business is dedicated to working with clients and then half is dedicated to working with the candidates and transitioning military job seekers as well. And so we see that gap too. And it's nice to that you're out here championing on both sides as well. Yeah, I, you know, engaging with veteran talent as uh, some of the more enjoyable part of what I do. Um, you know, I, I during my day job with Deloitte, I do some pro bono work in support of veterans, uh, but I have my own, you know, separate legal entity that oversees all of the the publishing that I do and um, other business related to that. Uh, very enjoyable, and you know, it's. The, the the little that I can do to, to give back to those that continue to give to me and uh, hopefully get them in a place that I wish I could have been long ago. Yeah, definitely. 
So Matt, we're going to talk about the book in some more detail as we kind of progress in this conversation. But, you know, there are several other transition books out there on the market. So I kind of wanted to just hear from you. What do you think is the overall mission statement or takeaway that you want readers to gain when they read Mission Transition? Yeah, and then thank you for asking that. Uh, to your point, there is a lot uh, written on this topic out there, and I, I do think um, this tome brings a, a bit of uniqueness uh, to the topic. Um, the, the primary question that we're trying to address here is how can transitioning veterans realize their full potential from an employment standpoint by avoiding false starts and suboptimal career choices and so let me kind of get into a little bit you know what that is and and why uh do veterans uh, uh and experience false starts and suboptimal career choices uh, so let me throw out some stats at you. In round figures, there's about 200,000 veterans that uh, come off of active duty annually. Most of them do so, um, you know, short of retirement and uh, without a pension. Uh, actually, two thirds, in fact. Uh, you know, I mentioned the the civil military gap before. Um, you know, the, the reality is more than 99.5% of the American public hasn't served on active duty at any time since 9-11. Um, and a rapidly shrinking percentage of leadership in the corporate world, you know, those uh, that have the jobs to which we as matriculating veterans might aspire, they don't understand who we are and what we've done. I mean, let's look at the figures uh, in the, let's call it the Fortune 1000, the percentage of CEOs that have any military experience is about two and a half percent. Even if you enlarge that shop group to include all board members, the percentage is still less than 5%. So flip that around. 95% of uh, the folks leading the corporate world, though again, those that have the jobs that we would like to attain, have no idea who we as veterans are, what we've done, what we can do. So that's a, a huge chasm that we need to cross. And it also results in a number of things. So a, a few more statistics here. You know, uh, the majority, uh, specifically 53%, according to studies of post 9-11 veterans are gonna be unemployed on average around 22 weeks. Uh, now I know the unemployment percentage has improved, but th those are the numbers. Uh, majority and uh, approaching 63% of their first jobs aren't in their chosen career field. And those first jobs, they only stay in them about a year and a half. And while as they move on to, to other jobs, they tend to spend a, a bit more time in them, they're still not in their preferred career field by their sixth post-military job. Uh, it's an incredibly sustained rate of failure. And I, in, in my view, a completely unacceptable one. And so the, that uh, became, you know, the, the core purpose of the book and how can we address and eradicate those initial false starts and suboptimal career choices. The fact of the matter is, if we can engage with veterans uh, sufficiently prior to their actual ETS, the end of their time in service, and they can... Uh, matriculate from active duty into an optimal career field from the outset, it holds the potential to 
to double over the course of their career, their earnings, their wealth, uh, and retention and enjoyment, both for themselves and their families, uh, certainly within the initial stage of their career. Mm -hmm. And some of those stats that you threw out with that 95%, um, you know, people leading companies and they haven't served in the military. I think what we see here at Orion a lot is that a lot of companies, they want to hire veterans and they know it's the right thing to do. But when it comes down to the actual business case and they need to make hires, they need to put resumes in front of their hiring managers that there's direct experience that they can say, okay, this person did A, B, and C. Those are the requirements for this job it's an easy hire a lot of times versus a veteran. So while it's something maybe that they want to do, are they actually making a strategic effort to continuously hire veterans or is there a gap there? And so I think we see that gap a lot as well. Yeah, and the, the, the topic gets into a, a second book I have uh, in draft that focused on the employers and helping them uh, kind of pull from the other side and having the right talent in place on their end to understand the veterans they're coming out. Uh, to your point, it makes a huge difference if uh, you put a resume in front of someone that's been in the military versus someone that hasn't. Inevitably, mm -hmm. uh, even with the evolution of uh, Transition GPS and SFL TAP, the, the quality of the resumes coming out, we still continue to see uh, a, a lot of the the acronyms and military verbiage that uh, don't make a lot of sense to your uh, the civilian that doesn't have the, the military background. Yeah, exactly. So you've thrown out some metrics on just, you know, what some of the, the state of veteran employment is today and subsequently what the state of employment in terms of the leadership, whether they have military backgrounds. But, you know, I do want to ask you, what do you think are some of the biggest challenges facing transition, transitioning veterans with all of that in mind? Yeah, there are a, a number of, you know, high level uh, transition or uh, challenges rather that transitioning service members face. Um, you know, the, 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 the first it, it kind of reflects back to that uh, civil military divide. Uh, I, I don't think most veterans appreciate that that divide exists and that, you know, more than, say, eight and 10, I think, studies say uh, post 9-11 veterans say the public doesn't understand well or the, the problems that those in the military face. And the, the, the public, frankly, shares the same view to the tune of around 71%. Uh, you know, another key challenge that uh, veterans face, I'll, in a word, I'll characterize it as cultural. And, you know, it's everything from um, at least initially loss when you come out of the military. There's a lot that you lose uh, around your identity. You lose your rank. You lose your awards that you wear on your chest. You lose the instant respect that comes from wearing the uniform. Uh, you know, UCMJ and other things that you rel rely upon in barking orders, perhaps, you don't have that anymore. The camaraderie of peers, uh, the certainty of chain of command, uh, you know, the, the, the standard support systems, BX, PX, commissary, um, you know, on post uh, health care, you, you name it, you can list all of the, the benefits that uh, accrue through a, a time and service you you step off the the base or the gate and you lose those things and it's it's instantaneous but 
more than that, uh, or, or simultaneously with that, assuming that you're transitioning into a particular organization, uh, that organization has a whole new culture. And in later parts of the book, I go into quite a bit of depth describing those various dimensions. There's about two different uh, cultural dimensions, uh, most of which vary, depending on the type of organization you join, which could you know, run the span from a larger, more corporate civilian organization to a smaller entrepreneurial civil, civilian organization, that those cultural nuances are going to be very different. And you're experiencing all, you know, again, a couple dozen or so of these simultaneously it is an utter shock to the system. I mean, everything from an organization's purpose to their leadership basis, to their organizational structure, to their power basis, to how they administer training, how they administer compensation benefits, recognition rewards. I could go on and on and on, but there's a whole host of things that uh, uh, folks experience. Anyway, that all of that is to fall into the, to that second uh, group of challenges that are, are cultural in nature. The, the third challenge they face, and again, I, it, I'm, my purpose here today is not to, to throw stones at, at SFL TAP, but the, the, the long and short of the matter is while things have improved there, and I'm glad that they have, and what I have to offer by way of mission transition is not intended to replace transition GPS. It's intended to augment what they do. In fact, my great hope is that they would uh, adopt this as one of their texts uh, that they make folks study as part of the transition. The, the, the fact of the matter is the current uh, support systems that are all rolled up in SFL TAP, while improved, still fall short of their well-intentioned goals. And um, as uh, again, not to be a cynic, uh, but I think as long as uh, governmental organizations continue to provide these things, that's just the way it will be. Uh, we have individuals walking out of the door wearing a uniform one day, coming back the next wearing a suit, administering these things. And uh, that's where I, having spent 20 years in the corporate world, I think add a, a bit more perspective to the topic. Uh, and what folks can do to help better prepare themselves. The, the, the last challenge I'll highlight here that folks experience coming out is just the amount of time that uh, organizations, military organizations, allow individuals to work through these things. Now, yeah, I, I, I'm proud to say that through uh, sharing initial versions of my text that there are finally policy changes in place that are allowing individuals to attend SFL TAP and uh, related uh, transition GPS courses uh, well before when they could previously. But uh, again, there, there are still limitations to that. Individual unit commanders, uh, leaders are go going to continue to be mission focused and uh, will tend to uh, limit individuals to seek out uh, certification courses or any other uh, sort of uh, preparatory uh, elements uh, that would set them up for success following active duty. There's just a, a natural pressure there, and, and I get it. Uh, the, the military is a mission-first focused organization. So it, it, to answer your question, I think the, the challenges fall into those uh, four main buckets there. Well, and you know, like you said, you you weren't saying any of that to throw stones at any of these assistance assistance transition programs. But I think that, like you said, 
with mission transition can be used as a supplement to those things where I think you probably talk to anybody who's left active duty and they don't think that they necessarily got enough assistance while they were transitioning out and wishes that they had more. So that's where, you know, something like your book comes in and it can really dig deep and provide even more insight. And like you said, from someone like you who's been in corporate America and really has a different perspective. Yeah. And, and you know, again, the, the unique uh, aspect that, that I bring there is the years of lessons learned um, around that nuance. And it also bleeds over into a third tranche of work in which I'm engaged. We mentioned veteran collaboratives earlier. And just a, a, a bit of a, a tangent there, um, because there will continue to be a gap from when folks leave active duty to when they settle in uh, their their communities all around the country, uh, these veteran collaboratives exist in large major metropolitan areas. Um, and if you'll permit me, let me just describe TVCA and what they do and how we're trying mm -hmm. to, to scale uh, that business model, if I can use that term. So we'll just use Greater Cincinnati as a, a case study. In the 16-county area surrounding Greater Cincinnati, there's no fewer than 2,500 nonprofit organizations, veteran service organizations, lots of great intention, lots of goodwill. Uh, Admiral Mullen, formal Joint Chiefs of Staff, called it the Sea of Goodwill. Uh, but for a veteran coming out, uh, trying to relocate to Greater Cincinnati, you know, if I'm that veteran, I'm not going to respond to, you know, 2,500 knocks on my door, nor am I going to go knock on 2,500 doors myself. What mm -hmm. I would do is, you know, report into a single organization, uh, which takes the form of these veteran collaboratives. You know, when, when we're in the military, when we transition from base to base or post to post, we in out process one and in process the other. When you leave the service, you out process, but there's really no in processing uh, center, if you will, in the local community. Well, that's precisely the role that these veteran collaboratives take. They act as the, the single belly button, if you will, for veterans. And if I'm a veteran, I would um, process into a place like Tri-State Veterans Community Alliance. They would take an inventory of what my needs are, and that could range from anything from financial to healthcare to employment. Uh, to financing, uh, housing, you name it. And then uh, that organization reaches out to the representative group among those 2,500 and pulls those resources in, provides them to the veteran where and when it's it's best needed so that that veteran can more effectively, efficiently get up to speed in the community. And they, they mm -hmm. don't have those initial um, you know, false starts, if you will, on any of those dimensions of need that they might have. Exactly, because it's not always as simple as, you know, just looking for advice on how to update your resume or interview preparation. Like you mentioned, there's financial assistance. There's all these different things that a lot of times you don't even necessarily think of when you're leaving the military, especially depending on how far in advance you are planning your transition. Um, some of these things kind of sneak up on you. You don't have time to adequately prepare for it. And then with all of the other stressors of leaving the military, I think you mentioned you highlighted it pretty well before when you were, you know, talking about just overall leaving the military. I think some people maybe think of it as just leaving a job, but it's really a lifestyle. It's all these things that you're so accustomed to, and it's just completely different once you enter corporate America. 
That's exactly right. It's a huge shock to the system. And the, the nature of the shock, shock to the system is that all of this is occurring simultaneously. You don't mm -hmm. recognize it quite when you're going through it. You just feel this overwhelming sense of, of change. Uh, but it's not until you start to kind of peel back the onion, as I do in the book, and shine a light on all of these different dimensions and how you'll need to adjust your personal approach to be successful in this new environment that you really fully understand and appreciate the the levity of what you're going through. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I, we do want to get into a little bit more about the book and like you just said, the onion where you peel back all the different layers because you do provide so much information that I think is helpful and kind of provides a roadmap for veterans. But before we get into that, what do you think are some of the unique values that veterans bring to corporate America? And do you think that those values are recognized by employers today? I do. Uh, and again, even in, in spite of the civil military gap, uh, the business case, if I can use that term, to justify hiring veterans in a competitive business environment, it's out there. I mean, studies have been done. Um, Institute of Veterans for Military Families at Syracuse University has a great article out there. Uh, in it, they document the, the the value in a dozen different areas and how uh, what veterans bring to the table. They bring an entrepreneurial bent. Uh, they're very trustworthy. They bring skill sets that transfer across various uh, tasks and contexts. They've had advanced technical training. They're adept in, uh, you know, call it discontinuous environments. They, they're resilient. Uh, they have team building skills because they've operated in those sorts of units. They have strong organizational commitment. There's lots of loyalty. Uh, they've worked in many cultures, not only within the military themselves, but typically where they've served. Uh, they are global citizens, if you will. And they, they have experience and skill in working in those diverse work settings. All of those are things that uh, you know, the corporate world can put to use today. And in fact, you know, other studies have found uh, that, you know, say 90% of HR managers end up promoting veterans faster than their non-veteran peers. And an, another study, HR managers said 68% of uh, veterans perform better or much better than their non-veteran peers. Now, that's not to to give us a, uh, a complex or anything, but I think the business world is starting to recognize that veterans bring some incremental capability and, uh, as I like to say, uh, a opportunity for productivity wins uh, above and beyond what they may have today. And if we just continue to help them open the aperture and be willing to bring on more and more of this talent, it's going to further improve their organizations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So going back to what I mentioned before, your book provides what I kind of thought of as I was reading through it is a roadmap. So you kind of start with the decision to leave service and you go all the way through acclimating, assimilating, and paying it forward. So you really cover every single step in the process. Um, I wanted to see if you could briefly touch on each step in the process and then also tell our listeners what they can expect to learn, um, just really based on like key takeaways about each step from reading your book. <laughs> I'll try, Megan. It's a loaded question. Uh, I may stretch the. It is like I said. There's a lot of information, so I know I know there's a lot. 
Yeah, so let me try to skim it. And uh, so to your point, the book is organized as, as a process. Uh, some of these things are done in parallel, some in series, but I'll, I'll kind of talk you through it, uh, just kind of a, a chapter by chapter and just a high level takeaway from each. Uh, so the, the, the first couple of chapters are focused on who you are, understanding who you are and understanding who you want to be. The importance of this is to focus on who before what. Uh, Richard Nelson Bullis in his uh, you know, career change book, What Color Is Your Parachute, has done a lot of research on this and has found that if you focus on who, meaning uh, your own personal self-assessment rather than the marketplace, the what, the job front, if you do the who first, you're going to experience success 80 some odd percent of the time. If you bypass that and focus on the what, which by the way, tends to be the, the focus in uh, our transition support programs coming out of the military, you're only successful 20 some odd percent of the time. Anyway, the point of the first two chapters is doing some self-reflection, understanding your personal strengths, understanding how those inform your potential career paths, conducting uh, at least two of four personality tests that I, I highlight, again, which informs your uh, potential career paths. Uh, from there, helping you narrow down on what those career paths are, and there's some prioritization exercises there that are part of that as well. Uh, from there, we get into helping you define your career preferences and personal brand. So career preferences such as industry preferences. You may not have thought that the economy is broken down in various industries and segments. Geography, where do you want to live in the country? Why? Um, and it probably costs more to live in one place than another. Uh, what are your role preferences? There's all sorts of roles, different functions within organizations, understanding what all those are. Uh, have you considered internships, rotational programs, you know, lifestyle factors? Do you want a job where you're on the road all the time? Uh, do you want a bit more work-life balance? Do you want a career that offers a lot of growth? Or do you want to specialize in a certain area? Uh, from your personal brand standpoint, uh, what is your elevator speech? and How do you capture that? Um, those are all things we work through in that part of the book. And it's only then that we get into the resume. Again, all of that who before we get into what. And the resume starts to become the what. Uh, and here we get into, again, lots written here, but helping you quantify your accomplishments, translate your skill sets, how to use keywords, whether you're looking at a, a federal role, you know, going the, the USA jobs uh, route or a civilian role. We walk through both of those different scenarios, both in terms of how to translate what you've done and how to re review that with experienced people in the industry, which starts to segue into the next portion of the book, which is around documenting your network. Uh, networking is a critical skill in the civilian world. You recently did a podcast on this topic, so I won't belabor the importance of it. Suffice it to say that uh, we debunk some of your potential preconceptions you have coming out of the military about this topic. Uh, help you identify how to target, how to identify your targets in your network and how to start to engage with them, which is the, the next part of the book, where we break down some specific tactics about how to engage uh, with those targets and how to, to use those reach outs to your benefit. Uh, and only after that, through engaging with that network, will you begin to develop potential opportunities and it's there within the book that we start to talk through the process for actually applying for roles. And again, 
much as we did before on the resume front, we focus on both uh, a federal application as well as a, a civilian application. And uh, then after we walk through the applications and how to, to handle, handle all of the potentially sensitive questions that are part of those, we get into what I call showtime, actually conducting the interviews for these roles, uh, both preparation for those as well as conduct, various types of interviews. You know, some are just phone screens, uh, somewhat akin to what we're doing here. Uh, those are typically followed by in-person interviews, and, and there's various types of those. Uh, whether it's one-on-one, -on -one, panel interviews, there's case studies, all kinds of, of depth and detail that we go in there, both in preparing and conducting those various types of interviews. Uh, assuming that we're successful in the interview stage, uh, we'll be offered a role at um, our uh, company or organization of choice. And then the next part of the book focuses on what I call close the deal. And here uh, involves some exercises, one to helping us first identify what our financial needs are, which leads to helping us uh, negotiate our compensation package um, of which the salary is but one aspect. Uh, after we get into closing the deal, then the last two chapters focus very much on culture. Uh, you know, I mentioned this before, uh, this is a critical aspect and an often overlooked aspect of the transition. And in fact, for, for many of us, it's where we spend the most of our time in transition and adjusting to our new normal, that the culture in that new organization, whatever it looks like. So we spend a lot of time diving into those couple of dozen different uh, cultural dimensions, highlighting what the differences are between what you experienced in the military and what you might experience depending on what type of organization you're going into. And then we close out the book by focusing on how, how not just to uh, identify uh, the culture, but to actually assimilate, to make it part of your own so that you become one and the same with it. And then ultimately, uh, after engaging with your uh, internal and external network, continue to expand that. Part of that is reaching back out to fellow veterans who are now coming across the, the, the transtherm and helping them with the same lessons learned that you've just gleaned and going through the process. That, that, that's a lot said. Uh, let me just say it, it's all structured in a very practical manner. It's in, intended to be a, a crawl, walk, run, step one, two, three, field manual-like tome uh, done in much the same manner that you would have experienced in the military in reading a field manual. And like you said, that's a lot of information, but you did a good job of, you know, explaining it all in a very succinct manner. It, like you said, it's a lot to cover, but it that's one of the great things about the book is that it really does cover so many areas areas of the transition and beyond. So it's something that would be super helpful to anyone who's transitioning because there's no single person who's transitioning that's going to be an expert in all of these areas. I mean, maybe you know a lot about one area, but there's always going to be something for everyone in this book. So I think that's what makes it unique. Um, you know, we talked earlier about there are other books, obviously, that cover this topic, but I think that's what will set this one apart. Yeah, thanks, Megan. I think that the depth and breadth that I bring to these topics, as well as the the rounded perspective of years on both sides of this uh, civil-military divide, uh, brings some uniqueness to it. 
Mm-hmm. So the book is laid out in a very systematic way. It's very easy to follow. That's one of the things that I noticed when I was following it is that, you know, you've got this diagram at the beginning of each chapter that kind of shows you where you are in terms of the overall process. And I thought that was really helpful. So you've got a lot of tools and exercises that really prompt readers to almost use this book as a workbook, which I think is great because, you know, there's only so much that you can absorb when you're just reading. You know, at some point, maybe your eyes rolls back your head, you start getting tired. But when you're actually looking at it and putting your thoughts down and seeing how this relates to what I'm actually going through right now, and you get some really great tips on how to figure some of these really big key decisions out. Um, So with all of the exercises that you provide in the book, Could you give me a few of those that you think are the most crucial to a transitioning veteran? Yeah, I I can. And in doing so, let me offer to your listeners out there, as I've learned uh, in writing this book, uh, publishers have word limits. And uh, what I found is a good portion of the original manuscript had to be cut from actually being in the book. The, The good news for your listeners is it's Uh, available for free on my website. Uh, There's literally about 25,000 words worth of content and and some of these exercises that Megan's referring to, uh, you'll find on my website, uh, www.matthewjlewis.com, Lewis as in St. Louis. Uh, But to answer Megan's question directly, I'll I'll point to five. the first one, and I think the most critical, I mentioned who before what. It's the, it involves the whole self-discovery sequence. It covers the first couple chapters of the book, uh, which involves identifying your personal strengths, uh, which is kind of the source of your personal passion. And that's really the key uh, when you overlay that with the results from your personality tests and informing you about what will be your optimal career field. I can't emphasize how critical that is from the outset coming out of the military to find yourself in a place that is, you know, the right one for you from the outset Uh, in terms of your uh, your and your family's uh, uh, personal wealth and uh, uh, earnings over the course of your career. The second one I'll highlight is around the resume building and skills translation as we get a couple chapters after that. That involves understanding the profit motives that's at work in most commercial organizations. Uh, You likely haven't had to consider these things. And in the book, I uh, put forth what I call the five-minute MBA in helping you understand what are some of the basic motivations of organizations and how your skill sets and your ability to articulate those skill sets uh, has uh, a a great impact on uh, your ability to communicate with those civilians in that regard. The third one I'd highlight is networking and specifically targeting your network and engaging with those folks. It's important because one, you likely haven't done a lot of it. You may even be coming to the topic with a negative stereotype, so we need to overcome that. And it's incredibly important in your your new normal, your new world in your organization. It is the way the world works. It's the way that things get done. And the the sooner and better you can become accustomed to uh, working with a network, the better off you're going to be. The fourth one I'll focus on are the financial needs exercises. And these specifically you'll find on my website. I referenced them in the book. It was part of the critical piece that unfortunately had to get cut. 
but these three exercises, uh, which you'll find on, on the re resources page, they're going to set you up to successfully understand your specific needs and your family's needs as you enter employment, and it'll set you up for success to negotiate the terms of your ultimate offer. The final one I would point to, again, critical, kind of covers the last two chapters of the book. It's a cultural dimension mapping exercise. And for each of the, again, approaching two dozen different cultural dimensions, uh, having you walk through an exercise of identifying how that dimension uh, is reflected in your organization vis-a-vis -vis what you experienced in the military, and then adding to that. Th that mere recognition and then based on that recognition, understanding how to adapt to those different dimensions is going to be incredibly impactful to your ability to be a success in that organization and, and result, you know, hopefully, and your ability to remain at that organization for uh, some period of time. The first one that you said, the self-discovery sequence, is one that I think is so important. Like you said, the who before the what, I think that's a great way of putting it because it's so easy to overlook that, especially, you know, not even just for transitioning military service members, but um, for anyone who's looking for a job, I think it's very easy to go straight to your resume and update your resume with things that you've done. But unless you know where you want to go, that's not necessarily going to help you in terms of being able to, one, tailor your resume, but two, even know what positions that you want to apply to. So a lot of times if you're transitioning out of the military, you're probably not going to be doing something that is going to be, you know, directly translatable or even like even the same line of work as something you were doing in the military. And so taking the time and knowing what it is you want to do based on your strengths and your personality, you could end up doing something entirely different. I mean, you know, we've got several, all of our um, recruiting workforce at Orion is former military. And, um, you know, they're all veterans and they all were in combat roles or, you know, Navy electricians, and now they're recruiters. So it's something that they enjoy doing, but it's not something they ever would have thought they would do. So it's just taking time to take inventory of those of those things and see what it is you really want to do before jumping into something. And then you're back on the job hunt two months later because, you know, you put the cart before the horse. Yeah, it, it's a consistent theme we continue to see, Megan. And you see it at Orion. I've seen it pretty much every organization at which I've worked. You know, more than studies show more than half of veterans coming out end up in a different career field than that in, in which they worked in the military. And, you know, they some may have an inkling of what they want to do coming out, but a good many don't. Even if you do have an inkling, I would still uh, strongly urge you to work through the self-reflection and doing some additional due diligence on those career fields. There tends to be quite a bit of detail that you may not understand about that career field until you've sufficiently researched it. Yeah, definitely. So as I was reading the book, I really liked the call-outs that you had that you called troops in the trenches, which were essentially quotes from other service members. And I thought that was really cool, just visually a way to kind of break up the text, but also to just hear from other service members as well, hear words of encouragement or things, you know, that, that they experienced in their transition. So how did you get that idea? And then also, how did you gather those quotes? <laughs> yeah, and, you know, this is 
one of the more enjoyable aspects of putting the book together. I purposely did this for a couple of reasons. Um, one, I recognize me, myself, and I am just a single data point, and you know, su successful transition takes a tribe. And uh, I wanted the reader to get a feeling, look, you're not alone in experience what you're going through. There is a band of brothers and sisters waiting out there to support you in making the leap to the civilian world. And in anywhere that I've worked, any problem can under my face, it's a diversity of viewpoints that ultimately provides the best answers, the best path forward. You know, and I recognize, as I said, my experience and my resulting opinions are just a single data point. Validity really only comes in considering multi -data, multiple data points. Uh, the, the other thing I would say is, you know, in proactively gathering viewpoints, I wanted to have a diversity of thought. And I, I hopefully that is conveyed in the book, whether it's men, women, people of color. I wanted all services represented. I want officers enlisted, junior rank, junior ranks, senior ranks. Um, you know, I wanted all of that uh, spectrum uh, of thought and point of view reflected. And so to in terms of how they the quotes were solicited, it was all done via interviews. Uh, most of them were conducted telephonically, much like we're doing now, and then subsequently documented. But it was very enjoyable. That's awesome. So did you know some of these people, or were they just kind of recommended, um, like you would talk to one and they would recommend somebody else, or how, how did that go come about? Well, I knew almost all of them. There were only a couple that I, I kind of had to seek out friends of friends because, you know, I obviously didn't serve in all of the services. Mm -hmm. uh, so th there were, you know, some second, third order relationships there, but um, most of them I, I knew. And it's great that you said, you know, you provide all different perspectives because obviously all service members have one thing in common and that's the service of their country, but there are some differences within a branch of service. So to hear from other people who were really in your shoes, I think helps a lot too, resonates a little bit more. Yeah, I hope so. You know, the, the intent was that the, the mission transition be inclusive and that be applicable, whether you're serving in the, in the Coast Guard or the Marine Corps or the Army or Air Force mm -hmm. or what have you. Yeah, definitely. So, Matt, what advice do you have for readers to get the most out of your book? Like we've talked about, there's a lot of information in here. Um, but just want to, you know, what advice do you have if we want to say if someone who's going to sit down and read this, how can they get the most out of it? Yeah, there is a lot to digest to your point. And to that point, understanding the the depth of the content, what I did at the end of every single chapter is try to condense the keys to success from that chapter in a succinct list. And uh, to, to answer your question here, let me just recite a few from the introduction of the book. Uh, which I think are critical to the overall transition. First, and you hear this a lot, you know, starting early. And by that, I, I would define that as at least a year, if not two, prior to your transition. And if you're sitting there two years out from ETS, you may think that sounds crazy. But if you ask anyone that's on the other side, they'll almost consistently and uniformly tell you the same thing. So it's not too late, it's not too early rather, to get started. The second thing I would I would tell folks, uh, you know, this isn't easy and it's gonna take a lot of hard work and a lot of time and effort, but don't get frustrated with it. 
your future, your family's future are worth your every effort. Uh, so please take advantage of, uh, you know, a lot of hard fought, hard fought uh, and learn lessons learned uh, that are featured in the book. Third is to have an open mind. Uh, this is a new way of thinking, a new way of approaching the world. Give yourself the freedom to think in new ways. Be open to, to and considering potentially new careers and new ways of approaching them. Hiring managers aren't going to think like you do, and so new thinking is going to be required on your part to connect with those people. Uh, the next one I'd say, hey, the, the future is yours. You're the next greatest generation in waiting, uh, but if nothing's ventured, there's nothing gained. So get active, get out there, and get after it. Uh, two more I would highlight. One is, you know, the, to Megan's point earlier, the book is really laid out in terms of a process. Uh, please follow the book in order. Please don't skip ahead and, you know, blow past the self-reflection part or just say, oh, I'll, I'll, all I need to do is brush up on the interviewing aspect. Uh, this uh, process is going to be most successful if you read it from front to back in order. So please do so. And the last point, just in terms of practical application of the book, please use it as a resource throughout the entirety of your transition. I mentioned earlier, it's purposely written to be a bit like a field manual. So apply kind of the crawl, walk, run approach to, to each process step, to each chapter, you know, read a chapter, apply it, and then come back and apply the next chapter. That's how it was intended to be digested and used. Great, I think that's that's a good, um good advice for anyone who's going to read it. And just to clarify, I've mentioned several times that there's a lot of information in this book, and I don't say that to scare anyone off um, as like this daunting undertaking to read this book. I really say that as a compliment, as a really positive review of this book, because as I said, I truly think it covers everything. And, you know, we've talked about all of the different topics it covers. And like you just mentioned, there are so many things that you can glean from this book, whether you think you know about interviewing or you think you've got your resume squared away. If you just read through the book and follow the steps that are clearly outlined, I think you'd end up being surprised and learning things that maybe you didn't know before. Yeah, well, I certainly hope so. Um, there's definitely nuances throughout every single step. Um, I'd like to think I captured them. Feedback on the book so far has been consistently positive. I've been very uh, and pleasantly surprised. Um, you'll see some of the, the quotes on my website and in the book itself. Uh, I'm proud to put it forth and uh, I'm, I, I look forward to being proud about the impact I hope it has on future generations of veterans. Yes, yeah, so speaking of, when does the book come out and how can anyone who's interested in reading it purchase it? Yeah, well, I hope a lot of your listeners are interested. Uh, as I mentioned, the the June, mid-June would be the electronic version, and uh, the hard copy version hits the streets on September the 24th of this year. It is on pre-sale right now uh, via a lot of the usual outlets, places like Amazon, uh, the HarperCollins website, they're my publisher, uh, Target, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, 800 CEO Reads, or IndieBound, all of the the usual places you'll find it out there. And, awesome. Uh, and you've mentioned. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. For for more details, you might also check out my website. Again, it's matthewjlewis.com. Lewis at St. Louis. And like you said, in the meantime, you've got exercises and um, you know pieces of the book available, so that anyone 
I'm sure that people listening to this will be interested and will want to learn more before the book officially comes out so they can go check out your website as well. Yep, I, I welcome that. I welcome all inquiries if folks want to reach out um, either to discuss the book or uh, from a personal coaching standpoint, any way I can, can help uh, to, to spread the word for what's in Mission Transition. Uh, you know, I, I know it sounds egotistical and I'm obviously biased having written it, but you know, I, I've studied this conundrum for literally going on a couple decades now. And I, I truly think that what I'm putting forth here is groundbreaking in some ways. As I said, my great hope is that this Mission Transition is adopted by any and all organization and agencies that have a hand in helping veterans achieve their new normal. And that's everyone from call it the government writ large, DOD, DOL, VA, to veteran services organizations, to any and all employers that aspire to increase their organization's productivity. Now, you know, some might say, oh, well, the guy's just trying to sell books. Well, I, I'm not. <laughs> I have a day job. What I'm trying to do is help veterans be successful. I'm trying to help our military be successful. The military can be successful if veterans coming out have a successful landing spot. And, uh, it is an all-volunteer service, and if those volunteers are hearing from people coming out of the service that they've had a successful landing point, they're going to have that uh, many better quality candidates coming in. I want to help our economy thrive. And if we help organizations individually be more productive, that will happen. And in turn, our nation as a whole will continue to thrive. So all, it sounds like a lot of grand goals, and they are, but that's truly the goal. And Again, the purpose, if we can harness the, the, the skill, the talent that we all know exists out there in the veteran population, we can get there. Mm -hmm. I appreciate you sharing all of that, your motivation behind writing the book. It's very clear you even have you know, a chapter in your book about paying it forward. So it's clear that this is a passion of yours, and I appreciate you sharing that. I, again, can't say enough about how awesome of a resource I think that this is going to be for anyone who reads it. So I hope everybody does after they listen to this. Hopefully this has been enough of a teaser. I think you've covered a lot of great information that would make people want to learn more. Um, so Matt, thank you so much for being on the show. I was really excited when we got connected because I knew that you'd be a great guest and that you would have a lot of insight to offer our listeners. So thank you very much. Thanks, Megan. I'm, I'm glad to do it. And I'm glad for the opportunity. So thank you for having me. Um, again, anyone that uh, is uh, interested in uh, sharing the message and uh, having me be a health piece to get Mission Transition out there, please reach out to me, my website, MatthewJLewis.com. And I look forward to connecting with your listeners. Appreciate it. Great. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for listening to this episode of Orion's From the Battlefield to the Boardroom podcast. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud so that you never miss an episode. We'd love to hear from you, so if you have any feedback, please send me an email at podcast at oriontalent.com. Our goal is to help all military job seekers through their transition and beyond, so make sure you share our show with your friends. See you next time.